Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to gather uh, around you, that we get to um, open your word and see the good news it has for us. And Lord, I just ask right now, would you help me? Um, Lord, as the psalm says, God, if, if you should keep a count of, of our wrongs, I, I could never stand before you. But praise Christ that he has shed his blood, that there is with you redemption and forgiveness. And so, Jesus, would you just make much of yourself this morning? Um, Holy Spirit, would you come and uh, do things that um, only you can do? Would you heal and encourage and convict and lead us in truth? Lord, we need you. We ask for your help. Bless your word. Make Jesus more beautiful than we've ever seen him to be. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Is my mic good? Am I getting too much? Okay, cool. Uh, so I was kind of, I was uh, being a little tongue-in-cheek uh, with intro, and this is my segue into an actual intro. Uh, but I'm wondering, have you guys, like, anybody out there, do you guys ever find a song that just, like, you're able to find a song that perfectly matches, like, where you're at in life and what's going on, and it just, like, it literally becomes, like, a soundtrack for your life? Anybody? Like, I get so much joy out of that when it happens. Um, it happened to me the other day as I was uh, prepping uh, for this teaching. And when I, when I study and stuff, I normally don't listen to music. Sometimes I'll even have headphones on, but I won't listen to music. But if I do listen to music, I'm listening to something like instrumental because uh, I get really easily distracted and just words and songs distract me like crazy. Uh, so I was listening to this one. and I'm kind of embarrassed of what it is because I looked down and I saw what it is. But like in my head, I'm like, oh, this song's just hitting me right now, and I'm feeling all of this. And I looked down, and it was, this is Clark Kent. It was like the Man of Steel soundtrack, and I was like, what is this? I don't really know what's going on. But it was like something where I just got into it, and I'm just feeling it. And like, um, I, don't, I don't know much about music. Um, like, yeah, that's the extent of what I know about music. I can't describe it to you at all, but it, it just like felt right and good to me. I'm like, oh, this is my life. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm not Clark Kent. Um, but those, those feelings, you guys know, like, the Psalms, the Psalms, they're actually meant to be those kinds of songs for us that, like, strike the chords of our hearts. That's what the Psalms are meant for. Uh, and not only, not only is it, like, the Psalms meant to just be a 
just meant to be songs that really resonate with us, uh, but they're meant to shape our feeling and teach us like how we rightly feel and think and love God. That's what the Psalms were meant to do. Uh, even I love this quote, Donald, Don Whitney, Donald Whitney uh, said this. He said, God gave us the Psalms so that we would give the Psalms back to God. God has given us a gift in the Psalms, both to like experience and know what real life is like and to how we can pray and how we can walk with God. But he didn't just give those to us and say, here you go. But he actually gave them to us so that we could pray these things back to God, so that we could give them back to him. And uh, I think... I think another thing that's so beautiful about the Psalms is uh, when we find a song that resonates with us, um, every song we're going to write, even if it's a Christian song, uh, it's not going to be just perfect, right? Like, have any of you guys, like, gone really into a song and then you realize, wait, this song is actually, like, it's not perfect to my experience. It's not everything like I think it is. The Psalms, they actually, they're theologically perfect, Isn't that nice? Like when we pray them, they're rightly shaping us. So within Psalm 130, we're just going to walk through this and it's going to like shape us. It's going to shape us rightly. And in each move of the stanza, the stanza would be like the block of text. Each different one has something for us in a way it shapes us, something it teaches us of how to pray and how to live life before God. So the first thing we see in Psalm 130, is that the psalmist, and we too find ourselves in the depths. We find ourselves in the depths. The psalmist begins, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now, it seems like in talking with a lot of different people and hearing uh, from a lot of you that 2017 was like a rough year for people, like a really rough year. Um, it actually wasn't for me. It was like one of the better years, <laughs> but I, I know what it's like to have one of those hard years, right? And it, it just to like state it plainly, like, man, it was rough. Like we got kicked around. We got beat up. It's been hard. And the psalmist here from the Bible, not, not just like cleaned up, but he just starts crying out to God. Like he's in the depths and he asks the Lord, he's like, Lord, hear my voice. Hear me. Do you hear me right now? He says, let your ears be attentive to me. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. He's in what the Psalms call, they have this category for it, that they call the depths. He's in the depths. Now, uh, a way that I really like to break up um, the depths, I I think can be helpful, is the depths can be something that we're like, they can either be uh, an outward experience, or they can be something inward. The depths can be both outward or inward experiences and circumstances. So they can be outward. What might that be like? You're in the depths. Like, 
when your health is fading. Or when someone, someone speaks poorly of you, when they malign your reputation, when you lose your home, like when just the thought of needing to pay another bill, it just weighs on you too heavy when there's just no rest at home, when your home life is just hard, when the state of your country, it's just crazy. Like the state of our country is crazy. All these things are outward experiences that drive us down into the depths of just feeling so low. And those are all real experiences. And every single one of those, every single one of those, we can bring to the Lord. And not only, not only can, it just, can it simply be outward, but also like inward experiences. The guilt we feel And for some of us, maybe you're just, you live with this low-grade sense of guilt just all the time. Or maybe, maybe it's just that inward churning you have because friendships in your life, they're just not right. And they're just friend drama. Or the depths can be that emotional experience you have of just longing, feeling the longing you have for some gift from God that he seems to be withholding from you. And, and for all the theology you have and all the Bible you've read, and you can say, God is good, and I know that he's sovereign, I know he's in control, and I know that if he didn't give me something, it's because it's not, it's not what's best for me right now. But it's the feeling, it's the real experience of, but I don't, I, my head knows that, but my heart isn't there, and it feels like God is withholding something from me. It feels like he's not good. I'm not, and a lot of times we won't say those things because those are like theologically incorrect, right? Like we shouldn't say those. But it's the real experience of our hearts. And what I love about the Psalms is the Psalms, they're not simply concerned with being theologically perfect before God at all times. It's about living your life before the face of God. And yes, being your entire life conforming into the image of Christ, conforming to the truth of his word. But you don't need to fake it before God. And the psalmist here is saying, I'm in the depths. When you feel your love for God lacking, when there's just like this general, maybe it's, it's not because of a specific sin you can pinpoint. It's not because of anything, but it's just like there's just this general fog or like coldness in your life, and you're, you just cry out to God, like, are you hearing me right now? Like, are your ears attentive to me? Can you hear me? And it's when we're experiencing these kinds of depths that we need the Psalms. Like, we need them. Uh, Britt talked about this a bit last week. Um, but it feels, it's felt like to me, kind of the haze and the smokiness that's like been over uh, the county. It's been over Santa Barbara, Ventura, Carp, all of us. Like we've experienced that physically, right? But I think there's even really been um, this like spiritual haze and fogginess. Like we're all out of our rhythms. We see a lot of destruction, uh, we see all these different things, but then there's something going on spiritually and like connecting with God can be hard 
and we're just, we're just kind of in this state of confusion, it's when we find ourselves in those times. It's when we find ourselves there that we need the Psalms because the Psalms, they act as like, um, for the life of me, I couldn't remember where I saw this, uh, but uh, I've seen a scene in a movie where a guy is on a lake and the lake is incredibly foggy. It's so foggy, right? And he's uh, going across a lake on a boat and the way they have it set up is that there's a rope. There's a rope that's stretched across the entire lake, anchored on one side and the other. And people get into the boat and they just pull along the rope. They just pull along the rope to the very other side uh, of the lake because if they're just going on their own site, they're not gonna get there. But the Psalms for us in these times of fogginess, these times of haze, when we can't like but see five yards in front of us, they act as a rope that show us what is true when we can't see it and we can't feel it for ourselves. So whatever your experience is, like you can bring it to the throne of grace. And I also want us to recognize this was a real person that wrote this psalm. And it should do something to your own heart when, when, when the year's been hard, when like you got punched in the gut and you didn't see it coming, that within God's divinely inspired hymnal, which is what the psalms were for the people of Israel, they were meant to be sung to the Lord, and they actually sing even things of lament and hard things. They sing them to God. They give them back to God within what he gave them for a songbook. There's a person just crying out to God. And so what that should do for us is make us realize like, wait, okay, actually at times, at times it's normative to experience these kinds of things. Faith isn't, faith isn't simply only taking one conquering step after another. Our life, this side of Christ's return, we're going to struggle sometimes. And we're not going to be able to see in front of us as far as we'd like. We're not going to always be able to know exactly what God is doing in every single moment. And God, God said, here's a song about that. Here's something, here's something I know it's going to be like this. And so I think a lot of us, you can like, if, if it has been a hard year, if it's been a hard few years, you can exhale and know there's not necessarily just something wrong with you. Like God, God knows, God knows and he wants to meet with you and he wants to meet you in those things. Not once you've gotten yourself out of the depths, but in the depths he wants to meet with you. So we're in, we're in the depths, but we are in the depths with God. We're in the depths with God. The psalmist is going to move in verse 3 uh, to teach us something about learning to stand. Verse 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Yeah, here's what I love about this psalm because it made me stop feeling so crazy myself. Uh, it just cuts straight to the heart. 
It cuts, it cuts past everything else and just gets down to like what's true and what's important. Now, 2017, hard, for, hard year for a lot of us. Inward, our depths, all these different things going on. But God, in his wisdom and in his mercy, he wants us to move from just like talking about the depths and all these things on the outside and some of the things we're feeling inside. He doesn't want us to just uh, stay there. He doesn't want us to just talk about that. This isn't just a sermon about 2017, but this is a sermon about our deepest need. And like, what, what do we really need? Okay, yeah, it was hard. Okay, yeah, that puts us in a certain spot. But what do we need from God right now? What do we need? And our deepest need, and I, I think what we all want is we really, we want to experience intimacy with God. Like, we want that. That's the longing of our hearts. Like, who among us doesn't, who wouldn't want, like, I want a more rich prayer life. I want to be able to come before God and just feel loved and feel known. Like, I want that. I think, I think that's honestly, I think a lot of people, you might be searching for it in a place that you couldn't name, but I think what you're really searching for is to be known and loved and taken in by God. Like, that's what we want. That's what we're longing for. But there's this barrier. There's a barrier that we don't, we don't really want to deal with it. And so we, we, we ignore it. And we can talk all day about like, we can talk all day about the hardships of life. Like those outwardly things, how 2017 was really hard. Um, and so we need to talk about those, but we don't, we don't want to talk about this thing lying underneath. And we can talk about things. We can talk about things with each other or even with God. We can talk about things like, oh, I've conquered that thing. Like, that was in my past, and I've conquered that, and I'm doing great now. And when we come before God, like, we can pray for other people's problems, and we can, we can agree to truth we hear in sermons, and we can talk about sin. We can talk about sin in the abstract with God. God, thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for the redemption I have in Christ. But there's this real barrier I think we have in prayer. And it's getting real and being completely honest and being ourselves, not hiding anything before God. Like, that makes us so uncomfortable. That makes us so uncomfortable. There's this quote, um, Blaise Pascal. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> I, I heard that first in high school. I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And like, I'm a little bit older. I'm like, that's probably the most profound thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, to be quiet. Uh, to not to not have like TV on in the background, to not have uh, a podcast in, just be quiet and still. We don't know how to do that. Like how many of us, you act, maybe during the power outage, right? I experienced this, I think it was like probably three in the morning. It's like, what am I doing at three in the morning? Like I wake up and then it was like, I want to do something. I was like, oh, what do I do? I don't know what to do. 
And I'm just having to sit there like in the dark and like, and all these feelings start to come up, right? And thoughts and memories and all these different things. And we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to sit quietly in a room alone. The psalmist, I think he puts words, puts words to the reason we find prayer so hard. And I've been like tiptoeing around it, not clearly saying it, but it's this. If you, oh Lord, today's language, God, if you kept a record of what I've done, I couldn't possibly stand before you. I couldn't walk into the room. Like if I knew you were in the next room, I'm not walking in. I'm not coming in. I can't, I can't be around you. I can't do it because I know myself. I know myself and the things that when we're alone and when it's quiet and the, the things that come up in our fears and what, what if somebody found out that or what if, what if like, what if people knew this? We say, I couldn't stand before God. And so I think we really fear prayer. We fear prayer. And it comes up in like a lot of different ways and like we make a lot of different excuses like and um, and it's, it's always hard, like, teaching on prayer a little bit because, like, Britt said it a lot, like, do, do any of us, when we bring up the subject of prayer, is anyone like, yeah, you know what? Like, prayer life, awesome, off the charts. Like, should probably cut back a little bit of time of prayer so I can do some other things. No, none of us ever feel like, oh, I'm killing it. I'm awesome. We don't feel like that when we come to prayer. And if we do, like Jesus told a few parables about people who were like that, and you don't want to be like that, right? So it's like, how do we teach about prayer? And what will often happen is uh, uh, we'll just kind of make some excuses maybe. It's like, oh, well, I don't really have time. I'm so busy. Um, or it's just hard for me. I just have ADD. I have ADHD. I, <laughs> I was going to keep going, but I won't. Um, <laughs> And we make excuses, and some of those excuses are real. And, like, I, I, I'm lacking so much life experience. I don't know what it's like to be married and have kids and, like, have toddlers running around. I can't even imagine that, right? So it's going to look different in different seasons. But I think we really, we actually, underneath some of those reasons, we actually fear prayer because we fear being ourselves before God. And just searching, uh, I'm going to give you a little window into my own soul, uh, searching why, why is it hard for me to pray? Why, why do I have some feelings of fear when I come before God? Um, came up with these, and I think, I think this is some of the things we're experiencing. We feel that we don't have enough distance between ourselves and our present sin struggles. Right, so, so we tell ourselves like, I, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe read this other good book. Um, and I'm going to pray for some other people. I know hard things are going on. But when it gets down to like, I'm going to spend time with God before, I'm going to pray right now. In my own heart of hearts, honestly, sometimes I think, man, maybe, maybe, once, maybe once I have a few weeks after I did this thing. Like, I, I, know, I know God, like, 
loves me, but like he, I, I would feel better if like I could come before him, like having some more distance between me and this thing. And I, th- I think we do the thing that we see in the story of, of the prodigal sons that we see, uh, right, the one who, the younger one who went off and he finally comes to himself and he's walking home. And as he's walking home, he, what is he doing? He's like rehearsing the speech he has for God. Like, here is father. He says, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. Like, just treat me as a, ser- just treat me as a hired servant. Just do that for me. And I think we, we just come up with these speeches for God. God, I know you probably don't want to be with me right now. Or God, just help me to do this. And then like, then I'll really come and be before God. But to really be with him, to believe that he would want to draw near to us, not two weeks, not a month removed from our real current struggle with sin, that's scary. That's like, really? Is that really true? Would God really want that? I think another, another reason is Sometimes we believe like our past sin, it's too bad. And all of us like, no, I know there is no sin that God could not forgive. We know that, right? But what happens for me, what probably happens for a lot of you is um, we believe that, but it's like, well, it's not just that, but it's like, okay, I did that thing. I did sin in that way. And not only that, but I did it again and again. Like I did it and then I knew it was wrong and like I had asked for forgiveness and I had come to Christ and then I did it again. Which we need to get better at like realizing what sin is because yeah, that's sin. That's sin. Sinning against God, knowing what we're doing is wrong. But we say like we look back on these things and we label like that was the big one. Like I can let God pay for all of these other things. But this, like, this was too bad. We just have, and tapes start to play, and we just recount what happened. And we just feel this guilt, and we feel this shame. And so we'll live the Christian life, and we'll serve him. But deep down, we're not actually bringing ourselves before him. So we just have this shame, and we just have this fear. And this, this thing, this thing was too much. Or lastly, I, I, think, I think we feel we, and we believe I'm forever stained by my sins. And so whenever, whenever we, we come before God, we just have this knowledge, I, I'm unclean because of the things I've done. Like God looks at us and he kind of loves us, but he's like, eh, but you're pretty dirty. You can go into that part of the house, but maybe stay there. We, just, we believe and feel I'm forever stained by sin, so we don't really fully bring ourselves before God. We don't, really, we don't really worship God just for who he is, but maybe if I worship him enough, like then I can experience some intimacy with God. Maybe then he'll really like bring me in. Maybe once I've done better, I've done good enough, then he'll bring me in. And so we fear coming close to God. We say, I, I can't stand before God. 
I'm unworthy. And look, this isn't, this isn't just churchy language, okay? This talk of sin and all these different things, it's not just churchy language because really for every human being, the longing of your heart is to be fully known and fully loved by the one who made you. That is, for them to know all of your faults and completely forgive you, to love you despite all those things, bring you in and never leave. That is what we are longing for. That is what everyone is longing for. But we have great fear. But this is where the psalmist comes in with great, the, with the greatest news you will ever know. He says in verse 4, But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. Now get this, we, we wrongly fear God, we wrongly fear God because we think, could he really forgive me? And so we're afraid of him. So we stand, like, we stand arm's length away from him. And we think, ah, if God really, like, if I really get close enough to God, he's going to get me. He's going to get me, like, for the things I've done. We wrongly fear God because we don't believe he actually has forgiven us or he could forgive us. But what the psalmist here says is that God forgives us. Therefore, you can rightly fear him. Um, this idea of fear, it's not, it's not the kind that like just cowers and withdraws. That's not what it's saying when we say we fear God. But it's the kind of fear that wants the whole world to know about somebody's name. Like, it's, it's the kind of fear that's reflected in the part of the Lord's Prayer when we say, hallowed be your name. I want everybody to know about you. I want, like, I'm, I get, like, kind of, it's when you get kind of anxious. Like, I want everyone in the world to know about the God who forgives like this. That's what I want. And I'm kind of, I'm nervous at times. Because, like, what if I say something that, like, would prevent somebody from knowing about that kind of God. It's, it's the kind that has like a little bit of trepidation when you talk about him because you just want other people to get how amazing and how loving and how gracious our God is and because you want all glory to be given to him. I think, uh, I think it's why um, in Narnia, in Narnia, why C.S. Lewis choosing Aslan as like the God figure, why it's such a, why it's such a striking metaphor right? One, because it's actually kind of scriptural, like the Lion of Judah. But secondly, because isn't there this thing about a lion, like the majesty of a lion, and how it roars, and just its very being, that it like rightly strikes fear into your heart. And it's not just because you're afraid of the thing, it's because like, wow, this thing is like majestic and glorious, and it is, it's different than all these other animals, that's the kind of fear. And when you know the forgiveness of God, you say, he's, he's different than anyone else. He's different than anyone else. He knows everything I've done and he forgives. Therefore, like, I, I want everyone to know about this. I want everyone to know about this God. But we need to preach this truth into our hearts. 
it's not going to just do to come on a Sunday and just hear someone talk about this or just sing a few songs. Like, we need to preach this truth into our own hearts, okay? If we're going to learn to stand, as I believe Psalm 130 would have us, we need to learn the spiritual discipline, and it is a spiritual discipline of preaching the gospel to ourselves. We need to learn that. So I'm going to walk through uh, what this kind of looks like uh, for me. You guys might think I'm a little crazy, but I suggest you do it. So this is me with my journal, okay? I have my journal open. I realize it is so hard to come before God. It is so hard. I don't, like, I have these fears. I have all these different things. So, like, uh, I'll just walk you through uh, what it would look like for some of our different fears. When we feel like we're not far away from our present sin, when it feels like that, here's what I have to do. I have to write my own name down. Like, I write little letters to myself, okay? Kind of weird, but I, and I just say, hey, look, Travis, comma, Christ died for you while you were his enemy. And we need to preach that to our hearts. Hey, he died for me while I was his enemy. He has promised that he will bring to completion the good work he has begun in me. He's promised me that. And in my sin, it hasn't surprised God. And he doesn't accept me based on my own performance. I have to write those things out. And I have to tell myself those things. And they're clear scriptural truths. And at that point, I have a choice. Am I going to believe just what I feel right now, what I think is true? Or am I going to believe what his word says and what he has promised to me? When we believe that our sin is too bad to be forgiven, I have to say, Travis, like, are you to think that the death of the Son of God wasn't sufficient to forgive your sins? Because that's the flip side of that fear. I feel like it's too bad. He, what he did was not enough. You need to somehow add something to what he's done. I have to say, no. For by a single offering, Hebrews 10 says, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He, what he did was enough. When we feel forever stained by our sins, we need to say, he's promised that as far as east is from the west, so far as he removed your sins from you. You are made clean by his blood. And we need to preach those things into our hearts and remind ourselves and at every turn say, am I going to believe the truth of what God's word says? Or am I, or am I going to trust in something else? So we humble ourselves knowing our own sinfulness and we stand upon the merit of Christ and we preach the gospel to ourselves and we believe in his word. And only, only once you actually get past that barrier and knowing you right now, tomorrow morning, no matter what you have done, no matter what you are currently struggling with, no matter what the future holds, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are clean and holy. No matter what, by faith, by faith you can stand before the God of the universe. And that is the doorway to intimacy with God. That's him saying, okay, now let's have a conversation. Let's talk. 
What I love in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, it gets me every single time. He spends all this time crafting his perfect speech. I'm no longer to be call, worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as a hired servant. And do you know what I love so much? The father, he doesn't address a single thing the son says. He doesn't, he like doesn't even address it. He runs out, he falls upon his son's neck, he kisses him, he throws a robe on him. He's like, let's kill the fatted calf. We're having filet mignon tonight. Like we're having a party. We're drinking the best grape juice. And we're just, we're gonna do this thing. Like, and the son's like, but I'm not worthy. And he doesn't address a single thing of it. He just brings them in. Verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Now. We've made our depths known to God. We like stand upon what Christ has done. And so now we need to learn to wait upon the Lord. And waiting upon the Lord, it's two things. Um, It's both active. It is an active waiting and it is founded upon something. So it's active. Like if, if, as the psalmist says, if our whole being, if our soul, if everything involved in us is gonna be waiting upon the Lord, then it needs to be like, it needs to, we need to be active in this and we need to go to the kind of places that when the Lord does come in that special way, when he does come in that manifest presence, when he does make himself known to us, we need to be in the right spot. And there's, there are certain places the Lord loves to make himself known to us. There like really are. One is his word. He loves to make himself known to us in his word. And it's choosing, okay, I'm gonna camp out there. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read your word, and I'm, I'm going to sit here, and you know what? This morning, it might be the greatest thing, it might be the best experience in the entire universe. Or maybe it's hard, and it's a struggle, but I know when he comes, he's going to come and meet me in his word. And so we camp ourselves out there. He loves to meet us, like, in the corporate gathering of his saints, right? In praying for one another and worshiping him and taking communion and remembering what he's done. He loves meeting us in these places. And so it's saying, I'm going to camp out in the places I know he's going to make himself known to me. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to throw out these two things that I have found incredibly spiritually helpful. You can take them or leave them. They are anecdotal. They're just from my own experience. 2017, here's probably the two biggest spiritual discoveries I made. You guys ready for him? One, uh, binging on Netflix completely dulls my appetite for God. Okay? Like, honestly. Honestly. Bin- and, like, and I'm completely serious right now. Like, this was like a spiritual discovery. Okay? And I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. Dude, go watch all of Stranger Things and whatever, like, your show is. But seriously, like, this thing of, like, just show after show after show. It does something to my own soul, and I'm willing to wager I'm not like that different than a lot of you. It does something to us. Um, And the second thing I learned, hey, do you know your iPhone can actually turn off? (laughs) 
Like, did you know you can do that? Like, you hold, I'm not, you probably, okay, so like, I learned those two things. And, and it did something to me, like, the second I would actually turn off my iPhone, this like, little hum that is, <laughs> I didn't even know existed in the back of my head, it just kind of got a little more quiet. And you get anxious for a second, because you're like, what if somebody texts me? It's like, then they texted me, and I'll see it later. Like, <laughs> I'm not that important. Um, and I'm just, I'm just going to tell you guys these things. Um, here's a couple stats for you. The average smartphone user, average smartphone user, checks their phone every 4.3 minutes they're awake. Okay? And that's on average. Uh, and we say, we, and, okay, hear this next stat as I just want you guys to know about the treasure I've found in the Bible, and I think this might jolt you into, like, seeing it, okay? It's kind of a drive-by guilting, but, um, <laughs> all right, so we talk about, it's like the New Year's, and what's your New Year's resolution? And I'm going to read the Bible, and then we never get past Leviticus, right? Um, <laughs> but here, here's the deal. What's the most common? I don't have enough time to read the Bible. I don't have enough time for this. Um, it's the greatest thing i found. It's so good. Also, we all have the same amount of time, okay? Submit that to you. I don't have toddlers, fair. Um, but the second thing, so we don't have enough time. Average reader, it would take 70 hours to read the entire Bible. Read from Genesis to Revelation, okay? 70 hours. Uh, the average American watches about 70 hours of television a week, or a month, sorry, a month. If we would just take like half the time we spend before these screens, like you have time for this, you can do this. And, and I think the things we do, it's not just this like, it's not just stop watching TV, stop looking at your smartphone. No, but like the things we're doing, I think they're doing something to us and our souls. And we find it hard to even be able to focus, to be before God. So if we're going to wait upon the Lord, maybe it means we need to unplug from some stuff. And we need to get away alone with him for a bit. And no, it's not going to merit your salvation. Of course not. But like maybe it'll make you in a way better spot to be able to hear from him. Maybe we'll be a little less distracted. I won't have, I won't have so many distractions when I have three screens in front of me. an act of waiting, and it's founded upon his word. The psalmist says, in your word, I hope. So like, it's not going to do for us, it's just not going to do to just abstractly like trust God. Mm, I trust him so much. I believe what he says. Like, that doesn't do much for us. Like, when you're struggling, when you're in the depths, it doesn't work to just say, God is love. God is, God is good. Those are absolutely true, but let's trust his like blood-bought promises for us. So here are some of my favorite promises that like, I need to constantly remind myself of. Uh, we, like the, we like more the second half of this. Uh, but keep your life free from the love of money. It be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, uh, no good thing, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's a promise he has given to us. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. You don't like anything for life and godliness. You possess it all in Christ. That is his promise to you. I've already mentioned this one, but it's so good. As far as east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And the psalmist, I I almost don't want to comment on it too much because just even in our English, it's so beautiful. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning are waiting upon him. It's with all the anticipation that a watchman would have after spending the entire night cold and in the dark, just barely being able to keep his eyes open at the crack of dawn when he sees the sun coming up, it's like, I'm off my duty. There's no more, there's no attack coming, I'm done. Like, it's, it's like, have any of you guys had that really hard, <laughs> I would just say, have any of you guys had that like awful job that's just so hard and you just hate it and you hate being on your shift and like God's probably, if you're in it right now, God's teaching you contentment and it's good that you're there. But have you guys been there, you're like working that shift and you're in your last hour of the shift, and you're like, oh, I can feel it. I can feel I'm going to get a clock out. I'm going to be able to get out of here. It's like, that's how we're anticipating. That's how we're waiting upon God. Like, I can't wait until he comes. I can't wait until the clock strikes my time, and I can be done. Like, that's how we're waiting upon the Lord. Verse 7. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Guys, he's going to make all things new. No matter matter how good or bad this last year was, there's coming a day he's going to make all things new. God's love his love, it's steadfast. That means it doesn't change. It, it doesn't, there is nothing, nothing, there's nothing in Christ that you could do to make him love you more. And nothing you have done that could make him love you less. Guys, if you could hear, if you could hear the, the stories of redemption that are just in this room, what God has done, how he has changed people by his spirit, how he has healed and made whole people who you thought were so broken, there was no hope for them. Christ looked at them and said, I'll make you new. If you could hear the kind of plentiful redemption he's already done. And then you think like, and he has more than I could ever imagine stored up for us to make everything right, to make everything new and he's going to redeem this world from all of its sin and all of his brokenness he's going to do that but you want to know how you can really trust this he hasn't just heard you from heaven and just sent like a relief aid package from heaven down to you but Our God heard our cries and he actually left heaven for us. 
and he came down and he dwelled with us in the depths. He condescended into the depths of our own brokenness, into our own fallen world. And as I was writing this out, and it's like, man, I talk about this a lot, and like we hear this every week, but here's what's so crazy, okay? I was thinking about this. I'm like, I'm God's messenger right now, and like, what a crazy thing to say, but God has me here right now to say he came for you. Like, and he gave us a book saying that. And I'm telling you, God came for you. And you say, but all these different things, God sent me to tell you, he came for you. He came for you. He died for you. By faith, you can be completely right with him. And he's coming again for you. We're going to see that next week as we finally finish Matthew. We're going to see that he's promised that he's coming again for us and that he's also with us until the very end of the age. And there's going to be a day where we're going to see him face to face, where he makes new all these things, where he redeems Israel and we who by faith have been grafted into Israel. He's going to redeem us from all of our sins and all of our brokenness perfectly. And we're going to see him face to face. And so we can, we can pray this, this prayer that I, that I love, that's so dear to me. It's from Jared Packer. He says this. I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My Savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. So bring him your depths. Know because of his word that you are forgiven. Wait upon him with your whole being and long for the day where he will fully put all things right. Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you for your word, which is perfect. And I just ask now that we would wait upon you. And Lord, even that you would come and pour out your spirit on us as we wait. Um, We need you. Lord, for anyone struggling to believe that they really are forgiven, I just ask that you you would be mighty that you would show your love, that your Holy Spirit would pour out your love into their hearts and they would know because of what Christ has done, we are forgiven. Thank you that you're coming again for us. We long to be with you. Pray us all in Christ's name. Amen.